Thank you. David, I think you're going to read the passage for me. Thank you, Peter. Right, so I'm um, going to do the reading now. So it's from the book of John. This is John 15, and it's verses 1 to 11. So John 15, verses 1 to 11. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Amen. Well, been waiting for this day for a long time. Uh, Michelle and I have been waiting for this day for 12 years. It's our 12th wedding anniversary today. <laughs> so, I thought if I sneak that in at the start, I definitely won't forget. And I've got lots of brownie points straight up there. So, um, it is great to be with you um, this morning. And um, over the next three weeks, we're going to be kind of revisiting our vision as a church. Um, to love God, to love each other, to serve our community and beyond. Uh, many churches have um, what I'd refer to as a kind of up, in, out vision. Uh, love God first and foremost. What we are called to as disciples is to nurture our relationship with him who created us. To love God, our up part of our vision. Um, in, to love one another. Out, to love and serve our community. They follow the, the commands and the great commissions of Jesus. So love God, love your neighbor, go and make disciples. You see? So we're going to look at that and remind ourselves of why that is so important. We're going to do it through these verses from John chapter 15 and then some from 17 in a couple of weeks' um, time as well. And uh, I'm excited to do this with you. Um, it's an amazing passage, um, and um, I hope it will be a blessing to you as it has been to me to think and pray and prepare about it um, before this morning. Jesus is asked, what is the most important thing in the law, the most important commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, he said, love God and do what you want. Because he realized if we get that bit right, 
whatever we then do will probably also be rightly orientated around our love for him. Something called the Westminster Catechism says the chief end of mankind is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. By enjoying him forever. The famous philosophers, the Beatles, said all you need is love. John 17, which we'll be coming to in a couple of weeks' time in the message version, says this. And this is the real and eternal life that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Verse 4 of today's passage, in the message version again, says this. I love the way um, he puts it, Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Verse 9 again, he says, make your home in my love. Now, why is this important? Why is this relevant to us? Why should we be looking at it now? Well, I don't know about you, but do you, um, do you ever wake up on a Sunday morning and think, I, I can't be bothered to go to church? I really can't. It didn't happen for me this morning, just for clarity. <laughs> don't worry, wardens. Didn't happen for me this morning. But if you've ever had that feeling, no, I just can't be bothered. Have you ever um, found it difficult to forgive someone? Or perhaps that's happening now. There's something that you're just holding on to, um, a bitterness. Have you ever got angry or frustrated with God in a time of difficulty or suffering or confusion and you don't know the way forward? Does it feel like a long time since your faith was really on fire? If you were to be really honest right now, nobody's going to ask, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or put your hands up, and you were to give your relationship with God a score out of 10, kind of how alive and vibrant and vital and connected and intimate and organic and alive it feels, what would the score be? Just be really honest with yourself. God knows already, so you might as well. I wonder if you are someone who at the moment is anxious about all sorts of things, who's struggling to find peace in life. Do you ever find yourself... um, perhaps particularly at the moment, defensive or easily offended. Is your patience running thin at the moment, snapping at the kids from time to time, maybe more than usual? Is there a recurring temptation in your life that you're finding particularly difficult to resist at the moment? If you are anything like me, All of those things at different points have been real, whether they are now or they have been. Uh, The good news for you and I is we're not the first disciples to struggle in this area. Uh, All of those things that I listed, I don't know whether you picked it up, uh, are kind of in relation to the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, So if your patience is running a bit thin, how's your love for God at the moment? How's your self-control? 
Because when in this passage Jesus says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. I think the primary first thing he's talking about, because he's talking to disciples like you and me, is things like the fruit of the Spirit. How much of the characteristics of Jesus are being expressed in your life? When was it the last time somebody said to you, that was so kind of you? Because that fruit of kindness is coming out. Thankfully, as I say, for you and for me, um, we're not the first disciples to struggle this or to need these words. And and Jesus, in this passage, um, he's about to die. He knows he's about to go to the cross. And we have this extraordinary section in your study as you go from here today, as you prepare for life group perhaps over the next three weeks. Can I encourage you to read chapters 13 to 17 of John's Gospel? As they go from um, Jesus washing his disciples' feet through these um, extraordinary chapters where basically it's Jesus' last words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And if he thought they were that important and they needed to hear them before he went to the cross, they're probably pretty important for disciples today. It's worth reading the whole lot. The first thing that he says in this section, in, um, in, in chapter 15, is he says, remain in me. Or, and the phrase I'm going to get you to repeat and perhaps to remember from this morning is he says, make your home in me. Make your home in me. Can you turn to the person next to you just briefly and say, make your home in Jesus? I can hear it. Just somebody behind and in front of you now, make, make your home in Jesus. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, If you're new here this morning and you just think even more so than when you arrived, we're really, really weird. I apologize. We are actually even stranger than you might think. Um, But um, you're very welcome here and we'd love to get to know you. And um, before long, you'll probably become like us. Um, Make your home in Jesus. Make your home in me. If you, like me, long to know fullness of joy in life. What an extraordinary promise. I don't know whether you picked that up in verse 11. If you've got a Bible with you or on your mobile phone, um, have a look at verse 11. If you hear a reading and then it says this, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or complete. It's worth listening to the previous verses because all of us long to know that kind of full and complete joy feeling at peace in the world, comfortable in our own skin. And Jesus' words to us, again, probably this morning, for you and for me, is if you want to know that kind of fullness of joy and of peace in life, then you, like me, need to learn what it means to make our home, even more so, in Jesus. If you, like me, want to know that your life is worth something, that you will bear fruit that will last, that will bring glory to God, then we need to make our home in Jesus. If you, like me, want to be more free, more able to be the person that you long to be in those better moments that you are, but they come too infrequently, then you need to make your home in Jesus. If some of those words that were read out previously to you, if you feel dry at the moment in your faith, like a sponge that hasn't seen much water in a while, or dry ground that needs the rains, as a lot of the places around here do. 
then you need to make your home in Jesus. You and I, and as a church, we need to learn, I think, to go deeper before God will call us further. That was one of the things I thought, felt the Lord saying to me in the last week. I need to call you deeper before I can call you further. We need to grow in making our home in Jesus. That all sounds great, though. You're probably there thinking, brilliant, yes, I'd love that. But you struggle. We struggle, don't we? And this passage gives us um, a couple of things, maybe three things, that we are called to do to remain, to make our home in Jesus. Um, And a couple of things that God will do in our lives, if we let him. So, if again, if you glance down at the passage with me, what are we supposed to do? What do we need to do? First of all, Jesus says in verse, I'm glancing across at the message version, which is confusing me now. Um, okay, now if you say, look at verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What Jesus is saying is, remember my teaching, ground yourself in my words, make your home in my scriptures and in my words. That way, whatever grows will grow out of that truth and that life. It will have sure foundations. He says, make your home in my word. And then he says, make your home in my love. Make your home in my love. Remain in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Verse 9, now remain in my love. Now, if we're to remain in his love, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, Romans 5.5, one of my favorite verses um, in Scripture, says God has poured out his Spirit upon us. He's poured out his Holy Spirit. He's poured his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. If we want to remain in his love, we need to be a church that is open to the work of the Holy Spirit. Grounded in Scripture, word, and open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, receiving his love on a regular basis to keep that sponge wet, as it were, and moist and full. Remain in my love and remain in my word. And also there's a challenge there as well to obedience. Once we know what the Spirit and the Word are saying to us, to actually obey, that's how we remain in his love. I um, was inspired by um, Ralph Goldenberg this week. So um, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but um, he's away at a conference at the moment, isn't he? Is that right? Um, uh, I was sat right about there, and he was sat about there at Pat Hollocks' Thanksgiving, and I think I saw Brian at the back there as well. And um, it was an amazing service. Uh, it was a really, really lovely service. It was only my second, I was only 36 hours or so into the, into the job, as it were. It was a privilege to be here with, with many of you. Hands up if you were here for that. Yeah, quite a lot of you. Just before um, the start of the service, I prayed with Ralph and um, I had a quick prayer with him. And then he did just a lovely thing, and I just thought, oh, I can keep learning from this guy. Um, he just sat there and he just went, Right, Jesus, I'm yours. Come, Holy Spirit. And he got up and he started to lead the service. Jesus, I'm yours. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I'm yours. Come, Holy Spirit. If we became individuals, if we became a church who more and more said, Jesus, I'm yours. Come, Holy Spirit. 
we would remain in his love, we'd remain in his word, we'd become the individuals, the disciples in the church that he's calling us to become. And then there's stuff that, that God says that he'll do. And this doesn't sound so comfortable. He says he'll cut and he says he'll prune. He'll cut and he's pruned. Any gardeners out there? Um, a few gardeners, Heather's been looking after our garden whilst, there, uh, whilst we haven't been in the, waiting for us to move into the vicarage. This is, um, is one of our rose bushes that we brought with us from the, um, from the previous place. And before we moved, um, I gave it a severe pruning. I basically cut it down to just almost nothing. You can see I cut here and here. and um, Cut it down to almost nothing. I didn't know whether it would survive the move. But you can see, just in perfect timing for this morning's service, <laughs> it has re-blossomed, and we have roses on there again. You know, for some of us, um, there will be things... That our passage is quite clear that when it talks about cutting, it is also on one level talking about people who don't submit to Jesus in this life. And there's a stark warning for them. That if you don't attach yourself to Jesus, the true vine you will die. But I think also there's uh, something in there, an extended teaching probably for all of us, that there will probably be areas in our lives, areas of sin in our lives, that need just cutting off. I wasn't sure whether to mention that this morning. I was just going to go with the pruning. But I felt challenged. No, 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 straight up there. There will be stuff that even as I speak that you know that just needs to be cut off. And you need to be able to do that. You need to be able to submit yourself to the Jesus who wants to cut off that deadness and that sin in case it infects infects anything else. It will slowly kill you. Um, And then there's the pruning. Even when things are going well, even when life is good, even when everything seems to be tickety-boo, Jesus can come along and cut and prune. And I know there's some of you here who are going through that season at the moment. We just feel like, why is this happening? Or what does the future hold? Have I done anything wrong? No, you haven't done anything wrong. You know, um, I was reading Tim Keller on this, um, who's an amazing preacher and pastor from the US. And he said this, he pointed out, he said, he said, sometimes God will prune because what actually is a branch in our lives has become like the vine. What he meant by that is we've put too much of um, our reliance on, say, our career, or on our family, or whatever it might be. And it means then that the Lord needs to cut that to show you that actually where you truly get your life is from the vine, not the branch. The branch has become too like the vine for us. And so he needs to prune it. I, um, I was also moved um, on Thursday by something Brian said. I hope you don't mind repeating something that you said um, about Pat. Um, he said this. He said, even in the midst of her suffering, she always cared for others. And I remember thinking, when God pruned her, she still bore fruit. When God prunes you, do you still bear fruit? 
He said this about Pat. He said, we listened to a song of um, Pat singing at the start of the service and her beautiful voice. And he said this, Pat hit the high notes. Most of all, he said about her at one point, she had a love for Jesus and a grace that overflowed. And it challenged me as I was sitting there. It blessed me, Brian, as I was sitting there on Tuesday, on Thursday, to say, Mike, is your life hitting the high notes at the moment? Does it sing of a grace that overflows? Is it bearing fruit in season and out of season? Are you hitting the high notes? What would it look like if each one of us were growing in this ability to make our home in Jesus? What would it look like for us as a church if increasingly we were bearing the fruit of the Spirit? What would it feel like? What would this community feel like if it were more joyful and patient and kind and generous and gentle and loving, even more than it already is? What would it look like if we allowed God to prune us and to cut those things out of us that should not be there? Because you see, God doesn't want to make us happy. He wants to make us holy. And it's only by making us holy and more Christ-like that our joy will be complete. Uh, For me, as I start here, as I look out at some incredible people here already, some of whom have been bearing fruit, forgive me for putting too fine a point on it, longer than I've been alive. (laughs) I'm humbled. But I'm also challenged and inspired and excited to see what the future might hold for us. And I think God is going to call us deeper before he calls us further. And I want, along with you, I long that we might get better at making our home in Jesus. And we might see what happens. And for you, what I'd love to challenge you as I come into land uh, with just a few practical challenges is to think, well, what could I do over the next um, season, next three weeks as we look at this series? What, what thing could I commit to over the next three weeks that might help just take me from a, a five to a six on that scale we started with earlier? Or from a, from a four to a four and a half. What step might I be able to take? And uh, one of the reasons we're starting uh, today at 6 p.m., uh, a new service. I mentioned it on Tuesday at the licensing. It, it's kind of a service. It's not really a service. It's more of a space called Dwell. I'm going to call it Dwell. It's um, after Psalm um, 84. Who can get to Psalm 84 for me? Has someone got a Bible? Um, I can get it here as well, but I'll race you, see who gets there first. Um, Well done. Well done. You win a prize. Can we have a round of applause? Psalm 84. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Well done. Psalm 84, just the first couple of verses. Brilliant. That's great. Another round of applause. You didn't know I was going to do that. Um, over the next few weeks, over the next season, we'll see and, until we feel God says otherwise. We're going to have a space here in church from 6 until 7 o'clock to kind of end the week right and to start the week right. 
to dwell, to yearn after God, to call on him, to center ourselves again in our lives. Uh, Perhaps to pray that God would fill us with his Holy Spirit and speak to us about the future. But first and foremost, to make sure that we have another opportunity in which to remain and to make our home in Jesus. So that might be something that you want to come along to with me over the next, next few weeks, from six until seven here in the evening. It might be that if you're not yet part of a life group, you think, well, I'll just give it a go. There's only two or three weeks left of term. If I don't like them, I never need to go back. You could give it a go over the next two or three weeks and see if that helps you remain and grow in his love. You could... Um, if you don't already have it, it's something that I use and I find helpful. Download the, um, the Bible in One Year app. Most of you have probably got a smartphone here. If you haven't, you can get it on the internet, ask me about it afterwards. The Bible in One Year app, which I often find at the start of the day, helps me just connect again with God. Gives me a verse that either speaks profoundly to me, or if you follow me on Facebook, just makes me laugh as well. You might have seen one or two of those. Um, brightens my day. There was, a, there was an amazing one just yesterday where um, uh, Elisha, Elisha dies in the reading and then um, this other guy has died and they're doing his burial and then there's a bunch of robbers that are coming, raiders, and so they literally just speed up the burial and chuck the guy into where Elisha's buried and as soon as he touches Elisha's dead bones, he comes back to life. I thought that was a pretty wicked Bible miracle that I hadn't seen <laughs> in a while. So you might just get something like that that's just a bit of a gem. Dwell, life groups, Bible in one year. Let's see if as a church over the coming weeks we can learn what it means to make our home in Jesus and see where that takes us. I'm going to hand back, I think, to... Are we going to worship now and then we're going to come to communion? Is that right? Um, Can I invite you to stand? I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite the band back up. In a moment, we're going to come to communion. Communion might be 